Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, live from what one South African believes is my mother's basement. So what? there you go, I can confirm, I can confirm it is not. My mum doesn't have a basement. Um, joining me this evening, we have Craig Manson. Hello, Craig. Good evening, how are we doing? Was that you reaching back when the theme tune was on to do something on your to-do list, Craig? You seem to reach back. It looks like you got a to-do board. I thought, oh, has he accomplished something in the three minutes while the theme tune's been going? No, no, nothing. There's nothing to see. Oh, sorry. I thought you were being. I thought you were just using 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 that three minutes efficiently. Um, and joining us um, for the first time in a little while, I think we've also got an editor of the blog, Rory Baldwin. Hello, Rory. Hello, Harry. In his um, spanking new uh, Scotland official Rugby World Cup uh, Macron kit. Yeah, I got a bar- I got a bargain. I'm not going to name the site because it would not be a plug. But I've just seen that you can buy the referees top for seventy two quid. So maybe I'll. Send Who's buying back. right? Who's buying the referees kit? Like, <laughs> even referee fans, because I mean, if you if you Are turned they? up to referee like a club game wearing a, a World Cup referees kit, that would be. Is that allowed that though? Frowned upon, surely. Well, let's let's just say that it may be um, uh, Scottish Rugby Union's referees um, who are buying the kit because if anyone has seen the kit they've been given this year, um, I would be giving it back to them. Um, it, the the I think they were joyfully described as one of those fruit salad sweeties. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> It's a yellow, yellow neon top with pink shorts and pink socks, and every ref, well, ninety percent of the referees I've spoken to have gone, yeah, we have to wear it. So uh, that's about it. <laughs> it's like wearing a hive's vest. <laughs> From the photos that's I've kind seen of it. it is really, isn't it? Yeah, You're supposed to stand out against everyone else. You certainly, you certainly ain't going to miss them, you know. Yeah. So yeah, if you've bought if you if you've bought a rugby world cup referees jersey, please let us know and let us know what your motivation was. I sh- Halloween maybe, but I'm gonna, I'm going to imagine they'll be they'll be in the sale very very soon. Yeah, I mean if you're yeah, going to no. dress up as Craig Jewberry, you'd need the last one. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> did you and the size you got size and recommendations off off uh, everybody off, off on Twitter's like and everybody recommended. I mean, some people said go and go and try one on. It's quite a lot of people who say they've got two identical pieces of kit that are different sizes. Oh, yeah. Most of them said, "Most of them said, if it's Macron, go two sizes up from what you usually are." But I've I've just recently made that graduation from medium to large anyway in t-shirt sizes. So I've gone XL, and there's yeah, there's not much extra. And if I like wash it too high a temperature, it'll be it'll be getting donated to charity again. <laughs> So yes, hello there. There we go. So um, yeah, we're live at the moment this evening as we record this on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Um, you can also download the podcast afterwards in an audio format, should you choose to do so, through any of your favorite podcast apps, Google Podcasts, um, your Amazon Alexa, any way you can get podcast you should find us as well just search scottish rugby podcast if you google scottish rugby podcast we're we're uh, we're all over google as well we um we take up most of the front google page rather pleasingly occasionally people confuse us for the official one as well on twitter which is which is lots of fun especially in the south african um we um we've we've got a lot to, to get through tonight um on the podcast um, we do for for any new listeners. What we do is we do this podcast, which takes about forty five minutes to an hour, uh, where we kind of catch up on on the news. We'll, we'll talk about South Africa, Scotland, of course, and then if you're a patron, which you can sign up for uh, at patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast from three pounds a month, you get a bonus episode as well, where we'll talk a little bit more widely about some of the things that have gone on this weekend. We may we may touch on ghostly haunted children's choirs in that podcast. Um, big bit of news this evening, um, or today even, that's come out, and um, Johnny and John aren't here, and neither is Ian Hay, so um, Craig, have at it. Franco Smith signed a contract expansion at Glasgow. Woo! Well, to be honest, it's at, at least one rugby club uh, in Scotland has said, um, you know, they definitely want their, their uh, manager to take on a long-term gig so that's nice um 
I was quite impressed with his uh uh, from what I can see, it looks like he's trying to influence Glasgow and the people of Glasgow. Um, and his and his uh, statement earlier on, he's saying that he wants uh, if we can influence people to be the best version of themselves, then uh, they can be. Then it's a success to me. Glasgow is a vibrant city full of opportunities. So um, you know, that's a hell of an ask. I was going to say that is a hell, that is a hell of an ask. Quite a big <laughs> construction project he's going for there. It seems to be. You know, well, he's got plenty of time anyway. You know, two thousand. 26, I think, is he's signed till. So um, let's see. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Ali Price um, and his fellow Glas- uh, Glasgow teammates out either painting and decorating the West End of Glasgow or, um, you know, at least not fighting uh, in kebab shops and stuff like that. That'd be nice. Yeah, well, that, I think that, that that particular person has moved on now. <laughs> 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 Unless we get desperate and the bat signal goes up. Um, I mean, I think, Rory, it's fair to say that the Glasgow contingent of the podcast had their doots about Franco Smith, but he's he's coming. He's done, he seems to have done a reasonable job. Um, what normally happens when any um, coach signs an extension with one of the Glasgow pro sides is that the, the form tends to drop almost immediately. So they'll be interested to see if Franco Smith can buck that trend. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done a grand job so far. I think there's usually genuine general skepticism when we, when when there's a vacancy in Scottish rugby, and we think, yes, we're definitely going to get, you know, Scott Robertson, or, <laughs> I mean, or uh, you know, Dave Rennie, but uh, rather than sort of Italian castoffs, but uh, Franco's actually worked out really well. Uh, obviously, Dave Rennie worked out less well uh, by the end. So yeah, I think. Um, you know he's doing he's doing a great job so far. The the team seems to be playing for him more than they were for for Danny Wilson. So if he can keep that going, I mean I think across the game the the two pro teams in Scotland there are a couple of you know they're we're starting to see gaps in the depth. So if he can help plug them, whether that's because you know if he's out painting and decorating the West End and he comes across a handy somebody who's handy with a roller but also as a line out jumper or something, then uh, yeah you never know they might pick up a few uh, pick up a few new players. Who knows? Community community outreach, community outreach could take on a whole new meaning. Um, <laughs> and and Craig, no no news of any further coaching appointments. Embra, I don't think there was this this talk of we'll wait until after the World Cup to make some new announcements. The biggest news this week seemed to be that um, an Ember rugby fan uh, has been spying for the Chinese. That seemed to be the biggest news out of Ember rugby this week. Um, it was a, a rugby fan from Edinburgh. Uh, just to clarify, potato, potato, but... potato, Craig. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the whole thing is people do say that Edinburgh rugby is influential around the world. And, uh, yeah, um, we've had our kit launch as well. We had our, uh, um, the new kit launch and uh, we've gone uh, we've gone from orange to, to, to white um, for our away kit. So that's quite exciting. But, um, yeah, nothing nothing uh, is relatively quiet. We've, we've brought in a couple of um, journeyman players to try and plug gaps for, uh, for from the... Um, the uh, World Cup team that's coming back, so we'll, we'll wait and see how things go. Um, oh, and they announced the uh, the preseason tickets have gone on sale, so we've got Connacht and um, Bath rugby coming to us. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, especially when most uh, Bath's main play. Well, I don't when when's that fixture? Maybe maybe Bath's new signing might be back by then. Well, that's true. There, there could be. I think he'll be getting a bit more of a break. You know, you didn't. You didn't sign a one million pound contract and then uh, immediately get back to the coalface when they when they decide you you've got to come back. I think you get a chat. You've got. You'll have something in your your uh, contract saying that uh, no, I'll uh, I'll come back when I want to come back. Almost. Um, so we'll wait and see. But you know, the problem you have is the the last big num- uh, fly half um, signing that the. the uh, that Bath put their money, their hands in their pockets for, didn't work out very well, and he's currently plying his stories around the world at the moment of his book sale. So um, we'll wait and see. I just want to just let everyone know I'm sending out love and more love to Danny Cipriani. He seems to be spreading love everywhere to this uh, uh, since he's uh, launched his book. So well yeah, done. we might yeah we might we might touch on uh, some of uh, Danny Cipriani's views uh, in the Patreon part of the pod. Um, Shall we? Shall we move on to the main topic? We'll move on to the main topic now. So Scotland, South Africa at the weekend, eighteen three. Um, obviously, Craig, we'd we in the Patreon podcast last week. We'd worked out that Scotland are going all the way and they're going to the final. They, they, this does slightly. Um, I think this 
skews our prediction for how the things progress slightly. The traffic lights of glory have moved in 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 a way that we are unhappy with on the Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, and up, funnily enough, up till half time, I was still the dream was still alive. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, and and also the fact that we we can afford to lose one as long as we beat the Irish, we're happy. Um, so, but no, I we 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 did a fantastic job. Unfortunately, I think we tired ourselves out a little bit and um, kind of. Um, you know, then then the uh, South Africans put themselves into second gear and and decided to put, you know put their foot down and, and and they sorted us out. So and also, um, uh, oh, I've forgotten the fly half's name. Um, Libok. Libok. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, he decided that actually he can play, um, and uh, the uh, mercurial uh, magician that is. Uh, Lebok um, came out to play, and uh, he seemed to to, to do very well. So, um, yeah, disappointing. But um, well, I, I suppose one key thing for me, Rory, was whether or not we got the front row substitutions the right way round. And we've seen, I think we saw Townsend do this previously. I don't know if this Six Nations or the one before. And actually, there was probably an argument for given the slipperiness of the ball. Given the fact you might not have got that many knock-ons in the first half, would have been to bring have Xander and Schumann on the bench, and almost do a South Africa and bring them on yeah, the second half. Squad. Mm. Yeah, I mean the the kind of overriding message of that game was our bench is not as good as their bench. Um, you know, for, as Craig said, for a half we were we were definitely competing. I mean, looking at the stats, I'm not sure. There's, I, I think maybe the same people are doing the fantasy rugby as are doing the official stats because they seem to be completely different to what most people watch but Scotland's defensive stats are are incredible for you know pretty much across the across the game um in terms of things like you know dominant tackles and all these things that that people people love um so yeah you could almost take a, a moral victory up to about kind of 50 minutes and then yeah after they came out after half time they'd obviously we were obviously hoping we were going to get one of our second half kind of uplifts i guess they just they go out they play an aimless first half then they go in at halftime and the coaches remind them what they're supposed to be doing and they go out and execute it properly or something but unfortunately the same thing happened to the to the box who weren't you know in attack i don't think they showed very much of of anything i'm sure they have more in their in their bank um so I guess you could say, well, they didn't show anything in attack because they were just not that good. We didn't show anything in attack because their defence was so good that we couldn't do anything. Um, watching it back, you see the number of times that Finn goes to pass and there's a kind of peppermint chap standing right where he wants to put the ball. Um, I think, and I think you, you see the car- you know the stats from Jones and Tupelotu were quite unimpressive. Um, and obviously the back three didn't get into the game much, but I don't think they could. I think there was, I think maybe Finn has learned rather than throwing the stupid pass, he'll just not throw the pass, and that's what he ended up having to do a lot of the time because it wasn't it it wasn't on apart from that one one wee break. Yeah, I mean I think that that wee break. I mean it's for me, Craig. You know, you watch it and you're screaming for Darcy to give the ball, but actually when when they showed a couple of other angles, there were a couple of South African blocker runners in the way, and actually that. It would have been a hard, a harder pass to give than I think it looked in the moment. Yeah, I think I think everyone's getting a little bit overexcited with it because it was really one of the only breaks we made, um, and so you know, Darcy's got the ball; he's got to score. Um, and 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 why did he not score? Well, he didn't give the pass. But I, I agree with you; there, there was cover there, and and if he put the ball to Duhan early, they would have read it a little bit easier um, and they would have covered them. And 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 Duhan at the moment um, does seem to be stopping and then moving in, inside a lot, whereas he's not doing as much as what we want him to do in that is just run. And uh, if you look at um, Colby and Aronsa, um, they're, they're both Duhan run-overable. Um, if, uh, if if that's a, a, a phrase, um, you know, he, he's one someone that could have a good go and try and go over the top of them. So it, it's just one of those situations. It, it, we, and it's the same thing with um, 
and I'm sure we'll talk about uh, uh, Jesse Creel. But <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, these are all things that happened and and cannot change. So you know we would have uh, uh, you know you you adapt to what what's going on on the field, and unfortunately. Scotland just didn't seem to adapt, and there was no this whole this whole um, discussion that we've been having about Blair Kinghorn being a second uh, a second distributor and coming in. He didn't do that at all on the weekend, um, and and you would expect the wingers to start coming in off the off the wing. For example, balls going from right to left as it as it did, and 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 Finn gets you know Creel comes fast, you know blitzing out and. Um, from the outside of Finn to block the pass, why is there not a um, a Darcy? You know, why is Darcy not coming in in the inside, or are we not changing things a little bit and having someone coming in and he's putting a ball inside rather than going always wide, um, or is Kinghorn coming in? It, it, there was lots of things that could have happened, and the same with the lineout, and it never and and we didn't adapt, and so maybe we got what we deserved. You don't know. And I think that's, I mean, you know, Craig's talking about the lineups, Rory, and I think one of the things for me is that the few entries we had into the 22 were short-lived, and they were short-lived due to some pretty basic errors on on Scotland's part. I mean, the lineups just didn't function, and when, especially, you know, that 50-22 that, that Finn kicked, and then the lineups just all over the place, and you you need to come up in. Playing a team like South Africa, you need to come away from your 22 with at least three points. Yeah, I mean th- those um, those kind of those entries into the twenty-two that didn't turn into anything were extremely frustrating because it's the sort of thing we've seen before, and we've we, I think we kind of got used to seeing a Scotland team that that were kind of a bit more had a bit more ruthless and a bit more clinical. Um, but saying that, a lot of maybe the the kind of previous Scotland stuff we've seen is they're making their own way into the twenty-two. They're not relying on a you know a kick to kick to touch to get there. The lineouts obviously had its problems over the over the kind of the recent years, um, but yeah, I mean we had Richie Gray in there, which is usually the when he's not there, we say, oh well, you need to get Richie Gray back in because he'll make the lineout better. Um, the lineout still kind of uh, still let them down. Um, yeah, you knew that if the Springboks' defence was was on form as it clearly was, and was switched on, um, you were going to have to make the most of. Of, of your chances and you're not necessarily going to open them up with scintillating back play you probably would would give our guys a chance to do that you would you would say that they'd probably be one of the better placed teams in the world to do it but they've got to you've got to you've got to have the ball you can't just be throwing the ball away for uh i mean there was there were a lot of knock-ons south africa turned the ball back over to us a lot of times but they were kind of doing it in places where it wasn't really hurting them we were doing it when we were trying to trying to score and it just yeah. it, it killed us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. I don't think that um, Scotland didn't play particularly badly, Craig. We just never got going attack wise. Like you said, the defense the defense was pretty good. And actually, you know, only conceding eighteen points. I know it could have been more if if, if Libba could have it had his had his boots on. Mm. There's a few few kicks that went askew, but keeping to a certain extent, keeping the South Africans to eighteen points in a World Cup for for Scotland. Is a decent return for a defence. They were all, you know, you can't expect to come away with kind of in single digits against South Africa. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's, it's one of those situations where you know if you if you see South Africa going up against England or Wales um, this weekend, um, you probably would have seen a far larger score be on either of those um, uh, home countries. You know. Um, I think our set, uh, as Rory said, and, and you said that our defence was, I felt very, very good. If you look at Finn, you know he's got DLND coming down his channel on a regular basis. That's a big boy, um, and to put him down and, and stop him as much as he has done, he's done a very, very good job. We just, and 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 this is again, you know, we talked about Franco Smith at the, at the beginning of the the, the show. Um, this is what Franco Smith has got. This is the problem he's going to have as well. People have all, you know, when we had two, uh, you know, Hugh Pilotu started, everyone went, wow, this is amazing. Now they're just blitzing up on the outside of Finn Russell and it's kind of negating the, 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 the two Pilotu and Hugh Jones 
triangle that everyone that's that Squidge and everyone has talked about. So we need to have a second. You know, we have to be able to change our game plan, and unfortunately, I think we're just leaning on that a little bit too much at this moment. And I think, but I think that's that's a fair, that's fair, Rory, because the teams that Scotland are struggling to break down at the minute are the South South African Island. Unfortunately, those teams with really really mean defences, you can't. You know, we went around France plenty when we played France in the warm ups. You know, they're they're not. They probably play a similar brand of rugby to what we aspire to do. They kind of accept yeah. that that's high risk, high reward. And when you, you know, if you go up against a high risk, high reward defense, you'll get a decent, you know, as long as you take your chances, you, you'll be in the game. But to go up against a really kind of tight, mean defense like South Africa and like Ireland, like we're going to see with Ireland, we don't really, ever, we don't seem to have worked out what to do with that yet. No, uh, I mean they're playing a they're they're playing the opposite of high risk high reward. They're just playing no risk, and it doesn't matter because the opposition are dead because we've killed them with our defence. Um, I think there were a few things they could have maybe tried, like some kicks in behind. Uh, when I was watching the game back the other day, they didn't seem to try a little chip over the top until about sixty five minutes, which obviously the game was well done by that point. I might have missed missed one earlier because um, I wasn't watching it. Too, too attentively the second time um, but I think just to to stop the rush a bit I mean we've seen a few things on social media about their defence and you know the way that they're playing, I saw a really interesting one just before coming on the show actually that the kind of three or four defenders around the rack are very careful to make themselves look massively onside so that the officials think oh look at these good boys in their minty, minty toothpaste tube costumes, they're all they're all being extremely well behaved and the three or four that are actually the ones that are going to mess up this the Scottish attack who are going to be out in that in that sort of 12 to 14 channel um that that gives them a little bit of license to to sneak off because the the officials thinking oh they're all onside um so that was a that was an interesting thing i mean they're they're slowing the ball down as well i don't know how you stop them slowing the ball down um sort of making a nuisance of themselves rolling away rolling away in the wrong side kind of stepping around the ruck in between the kind of ball and the scrum half as if to say, look, ref, I'm getting back on side, but I want to go this way. Um, I don't know how, like, other than old-fashioned shoeings, which you're not allowed to dish out anymore, how, how are Scotland supposed to... I mean, there's only so much you can scream at the ref, and Jamie Ritchie is not, doesn't always have the best rep, um, relationship with referees anyway. Is he going to be able to just com- consistently moan at the ref, say, ref, they're slowing our ball down, they're slowing our ball down, they're doing it legally. Um, I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff they were up to and we didn't figure out a way whether that... I mean, it's a mix of playing tactics, as you say, not having a not having a plan B when the, the plan A is not going to work, but also kind of dealing with the, the kind of things that the opposition are doing designed to nullify our, our requirement for, for quick ball. I, I think there's something in that about... I don't think we've caught fully. Oh, I think if you play a team like South Africa, let's be let's face it. You know they they are fully into they gamesmanship is just part and parcel of that. They see that's tactics. That's part of their tactics. You know the and and I don't think we've done that as a a wider squad. I mean, you you take you know the, there were times like you said, Roy, where they were slowing down ball, and I don't think Ben White was making enough of it. You know, and you see other teams, they're not they don't appeal to the referee, but what they do is they will make a scene of trying to get the ball free or patting people on the back so that they're not screaming at the referee, but they're painting the referee a picture to say, Look yeah. at hey, look at this guy. I can't get the ball away because he's lying all over the rook. And similarly, I mean, probably we should talk about the Jesse Creel and Jack Dempsey thing. I'm loath to suggest that, you know, James Robson should have come on the pitch and taken Jack Dempsey off for an HIA, but another team would have done it. <clears throat> and I think there's a point, you know, you we can play nice and we can have lovely players that go on and think about tactics and, you know, do, well, yeah, fine, we, we do the dark arts, but we don't really do proper gamesmanship. We don't think outside the box and stretch the rules or do anything, you know, Gregor Townsend's not got a giant glowing orb like a cup price Dr. Hooverlin in the coach's box. I don't think we do enough of that. 
And I think when you're up against a team that does it, you can't, there's no point kind of trying to be the goodies in that situation because you're always going to come out on the losing side of it, Craig. Yeah, I think, you know, we had, I think we had Finn and Jamie Ritchie. I think Jamie asked twice and Finn even got involved asking the referee to, to, to talk to TMO about the about the Jack Dempsey thing. But just before we go into that, um, there's one person we missed dramatically um, on the weekend because he's been dealing with a concussion in training, and that was George Horn. And where, if you notice, we come back in the second half, um, our, our play gets looser is the wrong word. Our play becomes quicker. The hands become quicker in the second half of games. And dare I say it, Ben White is becoming more Ali Price than George Horn. Um, and and I think if we played that game again, apart from the team we'll getting involved in actually us getting a, a, a one-man um, uh, advantage, you would, I would say, if we had George Horn at that point in time, because I think he would have played. I think he would have, uh, you know, he, you know, Ali Price, uh, you know, if he was available, he would have played rather than Ali Price. I think that's where we we moaned we moan about how quick the rug speed was. Um, George Horn again makes a huge meal about about people not rolling away. He's vocal. He, he he's he's always slapping someone on the back of the head. You know, rather than giving them a shoe in, Rory, um, he's always he's always slapping them and saying you know they're not getting out of the way, and he's appealing to the referee. So, it it it, it I think you know, you no, know, for me, and I know, you know, the how a five thing and everything, but we we missed that dramatically on the weekend. Yeah, and and the Jesse Cruel thing. Well, let's talk about it now. I mean, I'm not. I don't think any of us to be. Clear, Clear, and I feel after given the fun I've been having on Twitter.com over the past uh, few days, um, we need to make it clear. I don't think anybody's suggesting that you know we would have won the game if clearly gone up because you know a rugby team down at fourteen men these days they adapt and and it's not a foregone conclusion that that would have happened. But from a, I think that the main thing, whether or not the 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 two players bounced off one another because Creel makes contact with the ball and not the head. It was given the seriousness of a head-on-head contact. It was the fact it wasn't looked at at the time by the referee, and it's looked at in the background by the TMO. And now, whether or not they've seen something, there isn't actually head-on-head contact or, or, or whatever it is. But I think if it had been examined in real time on the pitch, and I know they want to speed games up, but when it's something that serious, it it, it needed to be looked at, Rory. Yeah, and I mean. There's there's possibly even an argument that it it may have turned out to not be that serious. That's obviously what World Rugby have decided by not you know taking any disciplinary processes further. But yeah, we're so used to seeing things like that looked at in case there is head contact, um, and the fact that there were kind of a couple of similar incidents over the weekend, which were all treated in very different manners. It's just really frustrating that the consistency thing is is lacking again. Um, it it should have been should have been looked at. I don't know when the point to bring up that the TMO's Welsh is, but maybe maybe later. Um, I think it yeah, yeah it it's clear that it should have been looked at. I mean there yeah you we I think most Scotland fans don't want our team to be um, kind of crying wolf and rolling around on the floor, clutching their heads in order to milk penalties because. It's much more fun to slag off Dan Bigger and Johnny Sexton for doing it, and if our guys are suddenly doing it, we we lose that moral high ground. But I see you've definitely got a point about the kind of being a bit more streetwise when we're getting absolutely nothing. There has to be a way to um, whether it would have worked in that case when you know, as you say, Finn and Jamie have both raised it with the ref. If Dempsey had suddenly fallen over, clutching his head after that, it probably wouldn't have been quite as effective. But um, yeah, he uh, he apparently was not too happy about it in the changing room afterwards. But whether that's he wasn't too happy about it because his head was rattled, or because he thought that was a good chance that his body had taken off for the team and could, should have got a red card out of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there were yeah, there were a few things the TMO could have looked at that didn't in that game, uh, and there were obviously the ones that they did, which you know, Finn's Finn's deliberate knock on. 
and Finn's kind of Angus Gardner seems to think he was going for the ball but to me it looked like he just did a no arm shoulder barge in the vague direction of the guy and the ball uh, I mean he yeah he could have been on two yellows and, and gone as well um, there was a lot and yeah there's some other stuff maybe we'll talk about that later but I think yeah. all we're looking for really is consistency when they're telling us constantly that their player welfare is so important and they want to make the game safer and they want to just eliminate head contacts when you're letting something that looks like a head contact i mean the way the way his head kind of shook after the the thing you know you could see it because of the, the the speed of the impact um his head kind of jerked back and whether that was because his body had been tackled hard or because they'd actually made head contact you could clearly see it from the the wide camera angle and and to not look at it is is just crazy and i think the thing is like you know for whether or not there were head contact craig it was an utterly reckless tackle because you can't, you know, that's he, he was Creel's upright and it's and he's, you know, he's at head level. It's, it's head, you know, whether this head on head contact is a head on head ta- tackle. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, it's it's a high tackle. It's 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 deemed it's deemed as a reckless. You know, they talk about there has to be foul play. You know, if there's foul play, then that negates any yellow card or bringing you know any sanctions. And as, as far as I'm concerned, okay, fair enough. It happened quickly, and maybe Jesse Creel didn't. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he didn't have enough time to pull out of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the way the South Africans were playing defensively, they were in our face constantly. They were trying their best to smash us every single time we had the ball. So, if you have that, and if you have, and and if you watch. Um, Chasing the Sun, um, the documentary about South Africa at the World Cup last uh, in two thousand nineteen. The words that are used in the in the in the uh, changing rooms are smash, dominate. Um, you know, ruins the wrong word. They haven't used the word ruin, but you know, all of those sort of angry, angry um, adjectives and verbs are. I'm not an English scholar, so you can probably tell. But he's, he's, you know, Razi is there saying you need to dominate, you need to smash these guys, you need to make sure they understand they're playing, you know, they need to be scared of you. Then if you're breeding that into the players, then they're going to come out and they're going to do things that then put them into a reckless point, a reckless challenge, and then things like that are going to happen. And, sorry. No, I was going to say, I think one of the, that's an interesting point. Because I think one thing, Rory, for me was that we didn't look scared of South Africa for probably the first time in a while. We weren't bullied off the ball. I mean, you saw, we, you know, we Darcy going in on everybody. He, you know, he was ready to take on the entire squad. And we somehow broke even Etzebeth, which is unheard of. And, and Jamie Ritchie was quite happily taking him to task. Yeah. I think it's probably the first time I've seen a Scotland side not overawed by the South Africans. Yeah, I think that's something that we've seen probably in the last year as they've started getting these winning results and whether it's because they've suddenly got a better kind of mental mindset, mental skills and things like that, and that's enabled them to win or whether they've got the win and that's enabled the mental skills. Uh, I'm not sure which way around they come, but yeah, the the team, it it doesn't look, it ha- or it hasn't in a while, it hasn't looked odd by um, even when they've sort of realised they're not playing better and this was something I looked at when I was um, writing the match report. Why does this one not hurt as much as the 2019 Ireland one? I mean, in terms of the Scottish attack, it was kind of much much the same. Um, but the answer seemed to be that, you know, the Ireland one, they basically didn't turn up, their mindset was all wrong, and they looked hopeless, and they were hopeless from start to finish. This one was more a case of they kind of gave it their best shot, but they just weren't good enough to to break, break, the, break them down. But certainly in the first half they were making all these kind of silly errors you know they were knocking balls on dropping high balls there was restarts going off but they didn't look like it was getting to them they were just like okay well we've done that we'll just move on what's next you know what's next and it, it paid dividends they were only 6-3 down at half time and probably would have taken 6-0 at half time um, against the world champs and I think, yeah, they just, they seem more confident, which obviously they now have the, the biggest test that they've got. They've got to string a couple of good results together, possibly 
I worry about them chasing chasing points if they're worried about trying to outdo Ireland on points difference. Because, I mean, if Ireland can put 80 points past Romania, this should be a Scotland team that can do that too. And they're probably thinking that in their heads. But, you know, with Scotland traditionally, such such thoughts are, are where madness lies. Um, so it would be interesting to sort of figure out the con- the computations of all the stuff and what they're going to need to do if they are going to have to get past Ireland. I guess that's going to re- uh, rely on the result of the Ireland-South Africa game, whether it is, you know, possible still to go through. Um but yeah, they don't seem scared. So it'll be interesting to see when they face Ireland. Are they going to be intimidated against Ireland? Um, you would hope not. Yeah, because Ireland lost to did Ireland lost to Japan in twenty fifteen as well, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah, uh, they, they did. did. Uh, twenty nineteen. Sorry. Yes, because it, it was that weird thing where uh, yeah, and they they um they progressed first. So yeah, so it's a, it's a strange. It's it's a strange thing. I think we you kind of start looking at, and I'll, we'll come come back to the South Africa game in a minute. But I think the you know we didn't get a losing bonus point, which could be costly. You know, even if Ireland lose to South Africa, we're going to have to hope that they don't get pick up a losing bonus point. I think it's unlikely they'll get a try bonus point um, against them. Really, it's going to come down to how big a win. I think if if we beat if we if we beat Ireland, which we're going to have to do to progress, we need to rack up some big scores against Romania and Tonga. Yeah, I think the 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 thing for me is, and this you know, I, you know, South Africa are the best team in the world. And I doubt this would happen, but you know South Africa taking four scrum halves to play Romania smacks to me a, me a little bit of taking the win for granted. And you know, Ireland, Ireland turned South Africa over, and South Africa don't get the points they need against Romania and Tonga, and and whether that decision comes back to bite them in the bum, I highly doubt it. But 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 still, you do wonder, Craig. You know, four four scrum halves against Romania, I'd be I'd be taking that pretty personally if I was a Romanian player. Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I think you know, no matter what anyone wants to say, and and anyone talks about Romania, um. And whether they they should be at the World Cup or not, um, you want to be taken seriously at the World Cup because it's the World Cup, and uh, and and this is. Uh, but this just it's a mixture of yes, I don't think they're respecting Romania, but since when have South Africa respected any team they've gone up against? Um, and and the second thing is, it's just if it isn't disrespect, then it's just a typical Razzie Rasmus. Um, pulling rabbits out of his hat or, or, or having aces up his sleeve. He's just looking to put play mind games or tricks or whatever he's trying to do. And so, and, and also, by the way, uh, uh, just, just to get back to the orbs, I sussed, I sussed that out the minute he used it. And and then all of a sudden, there's, there's conspiracy theories going around everywhere about these orbs. And, and, and it's like, no, no, they're just saying, I take the points. Yeah. <laughs> What's the fuss about? You know, let them shine their lights. You know, let them be Jamie and the Magic Torch up in these box. You know, it's up to him. Um, so, but yeah, I, I just think that um, we we saw they took us incredibly serious um, or seriously at the weekend. We have to we have to put a wee feather in our cap for that. Um, the, the Scotland are now a team, the fifth in the world. They're now a team to be taken seriously. Um, and, I, and I think we've been beaten by the world champions. Yeah, there is. I mean, well, what the Peter Steph type try, Rory, and I, I, I kind of like was curious about it at the time, and I think a couple of people have picked it up on on social media. Is there is some? I mean, again, we can, we're not going to go back. We're not going to change anything. The try is a try. They 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 played it smartly enough to get away without it being looked at too closely, but. It look they've made it look like a mall, but I don't think it was a mall because to they bump off to a Pilotto. If two Pilotto's bound, I think they can. There's an argument it's a mall, but they don't. They run over the top, and then if player there's an there's an obstruction from the other South African player pulling the toy over the line. Yeah, well, I asked my uh, old man who used to be a referee about it. Um, he actually thinks it definitely was a mall. Um, right, a player a player must join the mall from an onside position behind the hindmost foot and bind onto the hindmost player in the mall, Kitsov was clearly offside joining from the side. So, yeah, he, wh- whether it's a mall or, or 
not. There's definitely something monkey going on. And I mean, yeah, it was clever that they did it so fast and so quickly that everybody just assumed they've steamrollers got on there. Probably a try. Let's blow the whistle. Get on with it. But actually, it would have been nice. It's probably probably our Welsh friend again. He just thought, ah, oh, no, I'll go for a cup of tea. Yeah. Um, well, he'd been there for a pee earlier on, so uh, yeah. you know, then he went for his cup <laughs> of tea. Maybe he had the tea it. first, and that was... Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it it would have only knocked 11-3. Yeah. It wouldn't have changed. You know, there's so many so what-ifs. If we said, you know, if Darcy gives that pass and we score, and then it's 7-6 at half time, it could be a completely different game. But equally, they could have come out just as mad in the second half, smashed our scrum just as hard, and then our bench could have failed to perform just as completely as it did and the result would have been much the same scoreline might have been different yeah and and you know ref, the referee obviously wasn't having the heat at all craig because i think the moment he realized that the scottish crumb was going backwards he would just call it for south africa every time it went down yeah yeah and i think it's it's you know we had a <clears throat> and this is where we are we, we're at um we have a world-class start in front three um and it was obvious, you know, when 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 um, when Pierre Schumann has um, Malherbert up in the air, feet off the ground, going backwards, he's a world class front three, front front row forward. Um, Xander did incredibly well. In fact, I think um, Malherbert was was under so much pressure he was doing a Xander. His legs were far far overextended all the time and we just absolutely dropped him every single time um and and Xander Xander played incredibly well as well when we bring on two players now and this is I'm going to say this and, and, and I'm I'm also already feeling sick that I'm going to say it but WP Nell just wasn't there on the weekend he just didn't he didn't bring his usual self to, to the game um and then you've got um Jamie Batty who just you know just was turned inside out, um, and and that's unfortunate, and 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 that's we need we we, we all know that there's there's, there's issues there. Um, whether we we put Sebast- you know Jovan Sebastian instead of WPNL in the park and something something happens, something better happens, I don't know, you know, but again, we can't change it. Yeah, can't go back and have the Javan the, the the magnificent Javan back on you know on the pitch instead. That'd be <laughs> you know who knows who knows what kind of sliding doors moment that could have been. Yeah, um, absolutely. A quick word on a couple of kind of encouraging points for me. I think Blair Kinghorn. I know you've been trumpeting the Blair, you know, tooting the Blair Kinghorn. There we go, tooting the Blair Ooh, Kinghorn there we go there. Nice. for a while now, Craig. Yeah, um, I think but I think. For me, it really cemented um, kind of how much he's matured as a fullback. I think you know the we've had Hoggy for so long, and I think we've relied on Hoggy for so long um, that I think it's been. To, I've seen it said before. I think it was to the team's detriment when you now look at it that Hoggy was a world class player, but he wasn't always a team player. He would try and do things himself. He, I don't think he always stuck to necessarily stuck to the game plan. Um, sometimes they'd come off, but but later in his career, they, they, they didn't come off so much. Blair Kinghorn is a team player. He plays to the systems. He's playing to the game plan. He's fully keyed in what everybody around him is trying to do. He obviously trusts and you know he's he's he's, he's wingers and he he's got a good relationship with Finn Russell. And I think you saw that at the weekend. I thought his kicking was excellent. I thought his catching was you know as, as good as you'd expect and i think i was very encouraged that we now you know we, we've got a very good a potentially world-class fullback and player king horn you know i think that he's not had enough time in the 15 shot for scotland to to prove it because hog's been in the way been in his way for so long by i don't know for me that really i felt that's probably the most confident i've had in a fullback Scotland in a while, you know, in a game, Craig watching it, going, "Ah, oh, he's got this. This is fine." You know, I don't need to worry here. We've 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 got somebody good at fifteen who can, who's not gonna do something erratic. Uh, absolutely, and I, I think I think I think you're right. I think the the, the words world class can you can we can start talking about that. I think this 
this World Cup is going to be Blair Kinghorn's World Cup. Um, like you know, um, I think he's going to come out of this 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 World Cup as hopefully, please, fingers crossed, everyone stops talking about Blair Kinghorn as as um, as a negative. Um, and everything should be positive because he is doing an incredibly good job. Just as you say, I was about to I was about to, to kick in when you're saying you know, he, he plays assistance, he does what he's asked. He's been playing ten for Scotland under a hail of bullets for the last year and a half, two years. Um, he's doing what he's been asked, and if you look at what what's happened with him, um, we've we've now got a fullback who can come in and play at ten and give Finn the, you know an extra movement. Um, it's it's all it looks like it's all been a plan. Um, so yeah, he is. He's. I think he. I think we'll look at Blair Kinghorn when he retires, and he may not have try records that um, that that uh, Hoggy has. But I'll tell you what. I think we'll look at him as a far far more rounded player at fullback than Hoggy Hoggy has ever been. Yeah, who who stood out for you then, Rory, for for Scotland this weekend? Um, well, I mean, I think you have to, you have to look at you have to look at Finn with obviously he's he was given the the kind of mantle of he's the guy that's going to turn the game for Scotland in attack and unlock this Springbok defence and show us all some magic tricks. That didn't happen, but his defensive effort was insane. I mean, you see the the nick of him with uh, you know cuts and bruises on his face and thought he was, we thought he he was out of the tournament with bruised ribs or broken ribs or something at one point. He's just like, oh no, I'm winded. I'm fine, I'll carry on. Um and by all accounts he is still okay. Um should should be okay for the rest of the term. So yeah, I mean he he was good. Uh we didn't the really tap, see that as tap, much from that him. That tap tackle. Oof. Yeah, the tap tackle yeah. was incredible. I mean that that yeah, that's the other thing when you were talking about Nell, he wasn't really there in the set piece, but yeah. Uh it was I think Williams went round him, you know, he he's now an identifiable identifiable weak spot in the defence as that kind of cliche of a winger targeting a prop or whatever, you know, they went past him to get on. And it's just lucky that Finn got the, got the tap tackle on him later in the play. Um, so yeah, there was that, there was a 50, 22. Um, there was that lovely bit that unlocked the, unlocked the defense in the first half that, that came to nothing. Um, Jack Dempsey, I thought was, was pretty good. Um, he, you know, he's, he's the number eight in terms of carrying that, that we've kind of, we've wanted. He didn't, Maybe um, sort of break the line in in the kind of spectacular way we're used to seeing for for Glasgow, but he, yeah, he was. I mean, like he was top of the carrying uh, carrying charts or near the top. I think he and Finn were were top, um, which again perhaps says if Finn's top in carrying charts and not like tackling chart, uh, not passing charts and things. I mean, he probably is top of the passing chart as well. But you don't usually see him as high up on the tackling, and that's presume on the the carrying. Sorry. And that's presumably because of the number of times he had the ball and couldn't get rid of it, so therefore got tackled and they counted that as a as a carry. Um, so yeah, I think uh, Dempsey' defensive effort was was big as well. Um, other than that, I mean George George Turner, I saw in a team of the week, but I, I don't know how you can give ever, anyone week. involved in anyone involved in that lineout um, team. As as uh, as Craig said, the the two front row, the starting front rows put in a great great first half performance um especially for you know Schumann that must have been quite sort of quite emotionally conflicting for him going up against the, going up against the box um and I'm sure he was getting plenty of sledging in the bottom of the scrum probably in Afrikaans um <laughs> but yeah they, they came they came, came out with it well um second rows yeah not sure think you might see a, a change at second row Tooney's talked about kind of they'll give the the team a chance to front up against Tonga I mean Tonga will know if they come out and beat us then they basically kill the World Cup for us and it's their first game so they're probably going to be targeting well everyone everyone they always you know the tier teams always target us because traditionally we've been mentally shaky and easy to turn over if we have an off day so um I, th- I think Scotland need to show that that's that's a Scotland of the past and and just turn up and put put a bonus point on them, and then do the same to Romania. But that's the other tricky thing about World Cups; it's never the same team you face at the start. Like Ireland, okay, Romania, Ireland. The first five minutes when Romania scored a try, and we were thinking, "Hang on, lads, this is this is going to be amazing." If we could have that Ireland at the end, but it'll be a different team. <laughs> there'll be injuries. There'll be 
they'll be form. Same with the All Blacks. The All Blacks that we see at the you know in the quarterfinals, assuming Italy don't beat them, will um will be vastly different to the ones that played you know played the opening fixture against France. Um, and the box might be different. You know, they might suddenly get yeah. a whole bunch of bunch of injuries and have to play a team of scrum halves for the rest of the tournament. <laughs> so by the time we get them in the final, it could be completely different. Who knows? Who knows? Craig, anybody stand up for you that we haven't mentioned already? Uh, not really. I think. I, I think. Um, I've got to say that our 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 um, our back three not not our back three our wingers were a little bit off colour. I think, um, in my opinion, I think obviously to a plot and Hugh Jones probably out of no. Um, uh, no uh, self de- uh, detonation um, didn't come out of it looking well because they just were never given the chance. Um, but I was, uh, you know, Jack Dempsey. I was impressed with him. Um, you know, he's 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 uh, shades of almost uh, Magnus Bradbury levels of uh, going forward. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe make a, a a good back rower out of him at some point. Um, Jamie Ritchie, I, I have to say, Jamie Ritchie, I, I, I enjoy watching him. I think he's actually slowly but surely the, the corners have been knocked him up, knocked off him when it comes to captaincy. I think he, he, he did an okay job, um, but I don't think there was a, I, I don't, I don't think there was any way we were going to um, turn Angus Gardner around on on most things. I don't think many people do turn Angus Gardner around uh, when it comes to. Um, uh, refereeing decisions um, so I think he did a good captaincy job but yeah for me Pierre Schumann looking fantastic um, he dragged um, Xander Ferguson along for the ride as well so he was looking good as well um, and uh, and Mrs. the current Mrs. Manson always loved to see Dave, Dave Cherry come on the field <laughs> so you know there's always pluses and minuses yeah Excellent. Okay. Well, look, that's. Um, I think that's it for for the main pod this evening. Um, the Scotland have got a game now for a week and a half to the twenty fourth. So Scotland have a bye week. This podcast does not. So we will be back next week to talk about whatever's happened in the world of rugby, um, and and to look ahead to the Scotland Tonga game next week. Um, we are going to stay on air if you're a patron and you're watching us on Facebook or you've managed to find the uh, secret hidden um, link that we have as well and you're watching live, you hang around for five minutes. We'll, we'll carry on and we'll talk about some of the other things that happened this weekend. But for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig and Rory. Bye, all. Goodbye. <laughs>